Well, Cuphead and his Pelmug man, they like to roll the dice. By chance they came upon Devil's Game, and gosh, they paid the price. Paid the price. And now they're fighting for their lives on a mission fraught with dread. And if they proceed but don't succeed, well... The devil will take their heads! Hi, and welcome to Seriously Pointless Conversations About Culture, your seriously pointless podcast about all your nerdy geek things across time and Inkwell Island. My name is David. I am joined today again by James. How you doing, man? I'm doing very well. Yeah? You I, little, just little... Fin- I just finished a week of nights at work, and <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> that's, that's why I've given you the opportunity to do, do this uh, this podcast from home, and you're all cuddled up with your little blanket, and you're like, oh, this this is so right. much comfy. You have I'm very your, comfortable. You have your, your, your grandma, your elderly white girl <laughs> uh, drink for you to keep you li- uh, liquidated, or not liquidated. I prefer the phrase premium alcohol seltzer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I haven't been uh, partaking too much of the alcohol, but I did get a really Really nice bottle of uh, whistle pig uh, rye whiskey, which you you had. Pig that is, whistle pig is good stuff. I've been having a couple fingers at a night. It's not the last. Did you get what the six year, the ten year? Which one? I got the six get? year. I wanted to get the ten, but I I couldn't bring myself to pay one hundred and eighty dollars for a bottle of booze or however it much it is. Be, it should be more like ninety, but yeah, <laughs> it feels it was quite a bit more. Like the whistle 100, pig, one hundred and eighty will buy you the boss hog though, which is really really good. It's tasty. Yeah, <laughs> I remember they let us try like a it was like a thimble full of it, and I'm like, this is the smoothest thing I've ever had in my life. <laughs> is it is it one hundred and eighty dollars good? I'm not sure, but is it delicious? Absolutely. <laughs> it is very tasty. Yes, and so no. if you guys um out there in podcast land like whiskey, I'd highly recommend the whistle pig rye because that only what it only run ran us like it's like a 40 bottle of uh whiskey maybe yeah, a six dollar whistle the six the six year whistle pig is very respectable six year i did rye get my i did get my uh father a bottle of the 10 for father's day and i've got to say it is a, another notch up it's really nice yeah speaking of the how's your guys uh limoncello coming along is it going it's good? coming along we have finished the first step mm-hmm. and uh we have produced uh about a gallon and a half of product yeah. And the next step is to uh buy a bunch of lemons. <laughs> a that's whole awesome. lot of lemons. That's hey, that's what I love about lemon in Missouri, man, is you can make whatever you want. Like, what is it? Something ridiculous amount of alcohol that you uh, can if uh, I recall in the state of Missouri, it is legal to make two hundred gallons of beer or wine or liquor for personal per, use. Per personal use per household. <laughs> as God long as you me. don't as long as you don't try to sell it. <laughs> You're good to go. God bless America. (laughs) God bless America. And Missouri. That's the one One of the first states in the country to make it legal again, too. (laughs) Damn right. 
That's that's fun fact, guys. If you didn't know that about Missouri, we were actually one of the biggest uh, before prohibition. We were had some of the uh, biggest. Uh, we were one of them were the biggest uh, exporters of wine and spirits in the United States before California. Oh yeah, you can so. read uh, articles from the turn of the century. Europe was talking about how good Missouri wine was, and uh, the climate has changed a little bit since then. But actually. The heating up of the area and the, generally speaking, drier summers we've had here these last 10 years or so is actually doing good things for Missouri wine. Well, absolutely, yeah. So, and that and the winemakers are getting more experience. So, I think we'll see Missouri wine back on the map in the next oh, couple absolutely. decades. In the next decade or so, yeah. Between yeah. that and the craft beer scene, man, it's, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I that's the one thing I love about Missouri is like you, that's you may not be able to uh, you may have some uh, questions about uh, gun control laws and things like that but <laughs> I I can always put my thumb on the pulse of Missouri is the booze <laughs> scene that's definitely for sure so vaccination status poor beer quality high that's right always a step above the rest that's what that's what's important you got to keep your people happy james but anyways talking about things that make us happy and sad at the same time much like living in misery is Mm -hmm. uh the game we're gonna be talking about today which happens to be cuphead Mm -hmm. now cuphead uh is a 2017 running gun video game developed and published by studio mdhr the game was inspired by the rubber hose style of animation used in cartoons from the golden age of american animation such as the work of walt disney studio animation studios and the fleischer studios uh which are most notably known for like the early superman uh uh, superman animated cartoons which you guys if you're going to chance to look at those those are some top-notch uh, animations, although be possibly just slightly racist um, in there. Well, <laughs> such as much of the stuff at the time. The 1930s and 20s. So, Have you ever um, gotten the chance to get like a vintage like World War II era Bugs Bunny cartoon collection or something? It's a little... Yeah, it's 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 something my, my grandparents were probably like, oh, this is fine. And I'm just like, I feel, I feel dirty watching this. Not in a good way. <laughs> I <laughs> mean... Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's, it's pretty yeah, bad. Yeah. So, but they like to take those elements from the. They take some of those elements from those cartoons, and, and these guys, the two brothers that basically uh, set up the studio, um, they took their love of animation and video games, and they they made uh, Cuphead. So, what was your first experience with Cuphead, James? Uh, I played it a few years back. Mm-hmm. I got it for. I think this Nintendo Switch, whenever it first came to Switch, is whenever I purchased it. I know it had been on PC for years before that. Now, I guess a first impression is it is a gorgeous game. Like they oh, took yeah. the old, the old style cartoony graphics of it and the way they drawn it and animated it, like the sound effects, like right down to the grainy scratches on the uh, simulated projection camera. I mean, it's it's just gorgeous <laughs> it is gorgeous and it is unforgiving <laughs> and beneath that silken exterior lies a hard iron core <laughs> it is it's much like margaret thatcher although it appears to be you know uh, a genial woman she is the iron maiden <laughs> it is it is tough to say the least um, mm-hmm. I kind of had the same experience as you did, man. You know, I uh, I got turned on to this. Uh, I was actually found out about this game. I was watching a guy called uh, the what is he called? Um, 
is the Mexican something, and he's legitimately from Mexico, but he is oh, the a... Guy is, he's like the, one of the top speedrunners yeah. for the game, yeah. He, 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 I, I saw him one time he was on GD, this. He was on GDQ a couple times. And he is... It is fascinating to watch him. I cannot remember uh, how fast... He actually used to hold one of the world... A couple of the uh, world records for this game, and... I was watching him play it and I'm like, this game is fascinating. And I'm like, I look at it, watching him play it. I'm like, oh, this isn't so bad. Not no, not thinking. This is when I was first getting into that, you know, speedrunner mm-hmm. scene. And I'm like, okay, this doesn't seem so bad. And not knowing that he'd spent hours upon hours playing this game already. <laughs> He's actually just named the Mexican runner. That's just the Mexican name. runner. Okay. That's what I don't yeah. make sure. I wasn't for sure what his name, what, what his uh, tag was. But if you guys like watching uh, speedrunners, he's he's definitely one to watch for this game in particular. Um, but kind of a brief synopsis of the game. Would you want to uh, sure. do a, so... kind of what the what the game is all about, James? Yeah, it begins with uh, you and your brother, whose name is Mugman. That's right. They have, uh, oh, I can't remember what exactly you do to dig things first. Uh, do you go like and gamble or something? So, so yeah, know, you, you, you end up in debt to the devil. Yeah, so you go off, um, you you are two fun lemmy two fun lemmy cups, and you kind of go uh, go gand- go to the devil's casino, and you play yeah, right. start playing you go, craps. That's right. You gamble, you lose, and you lose your soul to the devil. Yep. And the devil says that if you want to keep your soul, you need to help him get back the souls of all these people who have reneged on their contracts. And I said, if you go and you pretty much kill everyone else in the world who's a gambling addict. <laughs> then the devil will let you off. And, and so you go back to your grandpa and your grandpa is like, Oh, Sonny, you're in a pickle now here, drink this magic tea so you can shoot bullets out of your heads. And that's, that's the game. Yep. That's, I mean, that's <laughs> the plot is not that, you know, in depth, there's not a whole lot of character backstory mm-hmm. other than you're trying to save your souls. And it's, 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 it's nice because it kind of has much like some of the cartoons of that era, it, it doesn't have a real deep plot to it, does it? You know, it doesn't need it. I mean, and this is kind of the running gun equivalent of Dark Souls in the oh, sense absolutely. that this is a game which was set out to be deliberately designed to be punishingly difficult. Absolutely, and it definitely does not hold any punches back at all. So that kind of like moves us on to the to the to the gameplay a little bit. So what is it? What about the gameplay? Do you remember vividly about it? So. Uh, you have like this, like you said, there's a mixture of run and gun style levels where you can collect coins mm-hmm. and boss fights. The yes. vast majority of the game is boss fights. Uh, generally speaking, I would say like five or six out of every seven are boss fights. Mm-hmm. Um, you can defeat the bosses. There's a normal mode generally, and there's an expert mode that you can tell you fight them a second time on a harder difficulty. And then there's an easy mode too, I believe. I believe. <laughs> Well, is, it, is there? <laughs> we don't no talk one's about. Going to, no one's going to admit to using the easy mode in a game like this. <laughs> I might have tried a couple times and still failed, but because there's a couple of those, a couple of those bosses are just infuriating, and I was like, I just want to get past this level. I just want to get past this level. <laughs> but you've got, uh, you've got different weapons you can get. I think you start out with like a shooting one and like a shotgunny type one. Yeah, you shoot with your finger. <laughs> Yeah, and you can get like a lobbing shot. I think there's like an orbiting shot. I mean, there's a there's three or four different shots you can get. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Every shot has like its own special ability. So, for example, like the finger shot lets you shoot like a big shot. And so for every so many shots you get, it charges up your special ability and you can shoot more shots. There's also a mechanic where anything that is bright pink on the screen, you can like do a dodge parry off of. 
And so that kind of that, that moves us into the uh, you have a super meter, basically a super move meter mm-hmm. that once it fills up, you can do um, you can either do one of a couple of things. You can do a small, like slight, like, you know, kind of super moves like and you can have up to five of those or you can wait till the gauge fills up all the way and you can do one giant super move mm-hmm. and which will deal significantly more damage um obviously if you if you let it gauge up a little bit but yeah that's that's usually kind of what you we try to you know go for if you're able to dodge all the various things that are flying across the screen mm-hmm. at you <laughs> while you're trying to kill the bad guys or at least get through the level yeah and it and it definitely that's like you were saying is the the bosses are really what make it stand out i think i mean you know you do have those running gun levels but i think the boss fights are truly what make it you know stand out quite a bit because i mean this name off that's what type that's the type of game it is though yeah absolutely i mean a few of the first few bosses are pretty iconic there was the garden patch people the flower the big it's like the the big flower that's the first one a lot of people fight is the big flower there's the slime blob there's yeah, the two the two frogs the tombstone are the blueberry is it the blueberry or the tombstone i don't care the blueberries oh uh, yeah it's the blueberry remember. because he yeah. died you kill the blueberry and he comes back as a tombstone and he tries to squish you that's right that's the big like he's like a slime thing yeah and then you have like you said the two frogs and then later on you have some on the second island you have other guys like um what was it the clown on the roller coaster and yeah that the- stupid mummy guy um, god screw that moment i don't know how many times we died on that thing <laughs> i hate the freaking moment oh my god he was so awful and then you have the, the, the queen dragon. sweet the queen sweets oh yeah she's there's the dragon kind of yeah but there's so many more i think that's i really so i only got to like the second island which is that one i believe second or third island is that is that that one there's like, three islands in total and yeah i only got to the halfway through the second island because I had just finished playing Dark Souls 2, and I was not really ready for another game of that difficulty. Have your your soul beaten out of you and just yes. like downtrodden again. That's kind of what it feels like. But yeah, that's that's kind of one of the nice things about this game, though, is it, it does have a level of dif- difficulty, and that's what they've really kind of pushed in the last few years between the Dark Souls things and mm-hmm. especially this game. Um, and that's what a lot of the, the creators of these games, the, the two brothers, I kind of, I am, wow, I'm just like totally forgetting their names off the top of my head. And I cannot remember what their names are, but, um, uh, sorry, Chad Moldenhauer and Jared Moldenhauer, Moldenhauer. That's who they, Chad and Jared are their names. Mm-hmm. And they, they were, they were talking to themselves. They want to have a game that's challenging to the point where it's, you just have to, you start to be, you have to get to the point where it's become skill-based and it's not just pure luck or memorization. They said, because if you get into games like uh, battle toads, which I don't know if you ever played that mm-hmm. or even some of the other, you know, older NES or SNES games, some it's, it basically came out almost to memorization, right? Well, cause I mean, some of those games were challenging because they were just bad mechanically. Yeah. You remember them as hard because that's all there was at the time. But when you go back and play them again, you were like, oh, this isn't hard. This is just poorly designed. Yeah, poorly designed. That's not the case for Cuphead. Cuphead plays fluid. It feels fair. It's just really hard. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, like I was saying earlier. A lot of the bosses you do have to play through more than once. Like, you know, whenever they change forms and stuff. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the new forms are going to be kind of a gotcha moment. But 
Well, it, it changes up their attack styles and how they move around the screen. And once you kind of get used to that, because it does, they do have certain patterns and things that you have to learn a little bit, mm-hmm. but it is still somewhat random as you play throughout the game, right? Mm-hmm. Or as you, as you progress through the system, because maybe one minute they, they decide you're thinking to yourself, like, let, let's use an example of uh, the flower boss, you know, the one that everyone has gotten to, you know, Maybe he starts on, on through his first thing. He starts just shooting up. He does the Gatling gun thing where he shoots the, mm-hmm. the 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 seeds up into the sky and they slowly fall down. He does it a couple times, but next time maybe he does it like you know once throughout your mm-hmm. entire gameplay. And it's just so the the game mechanics in it they do offer enough of a change that you can't rely on it on the the boss to do one specific thing every single time. Yeah, you or, can't memorize it. The only thing that's no. consistent is they they do a phase change at the same amount of health. Yeah, I think and I think the first attack out of each phase change is usually the same, but after that, it's kind of random. Yeah, it does get a little random after that. But but the nice thing about this game though is you can you don't have to go alone when you play. So <laughs> it has uh, it has couch co op, which is nice. It's very nice. And and it actually makes it a little bit easier. I think uh, it does like double the boss's health. Yeah. So it's not just like a ton easier, but you can kind of save each other from death. So you can constantly if, kind of do that. If you're close enough, you can do that grab over and over again and like save each enough, other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if, you're, if you're quick enough or if you're not as quick as we were, uh, you die a bunch of times and you just say, what the hell happened, man? And then well, you're just. I mean, yeah, it helps a little bit because that way, if there's one boss that one of you is better at than the other, it helps a little bit. Oh yeah, it definitely it definitely helps, and it, it, but it, it's it's definitely a kind of like kind of moment every time you lose and come <laughs> back to. But like that's part of the fun of the game, right? Mm-hmm. So, but that that's that's truly kind of what uh, you know you you get into a little bit with with this game is learning how what's the best strategy for the for you know taking on the bad guy or the boss or whoever it is and getting through there. So. But um, as you go through the game, you like you were saying earlier, you do get like those power ups and those things, and you go through. Uh, you go to what's his name, Pork Rinds Emporium. Pork Rinds Emporium, which I thought he was great. He has that very Porky the Pig s quality with like the the double chins and the like. Rah, 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 rah. He's kind of mixed in with uh, Bluto a little bit. Kind of that's what I always bit, thought. Yeah, of, that's kind of how I always thought of him. But I I liked him quite a bit because. You can go in and use those coins that you get from the running gun levels to purchase either new items, upgrades, you know, all kinds of stuff. The other abilities that will help you, you know, hopefully progress throughout the game as you as you move on a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that's that's basically the gameplay of it. You know, you 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 know, we've kind of summarized most of what it is. But, you know, the only other thing I forgot to mention, though, is once you get to the end, you beat the game or you beat the level, you get a letter rating. Um, and of course, everybody tries to get that ever coveted S rating. Which oh, it's brutal. It's so hard. And I, that's pretty much it. You have to, you can't get hit at all. It's like, not only do you not have to take damage, you have to like dodge a certain number of projectiles and you have to do it in a certain time. It's like the game's giving you style points. It's, it's at that point. Ridiculous. Yeah. I'm just happy to a lot of times get out there with a C. I don't care as long as I finish the level. It's like, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> That's what I loved. But, but yeah, so let's, let's talk about, let's some of the development, some of the love and the care that has gone into this game. So like I said earlier, uh, Cuphead was the, is this is the, the, uh, initial, uh, game 
from Studio H or MDHR, which is a Canadian indie game de- uh, development studio consisting of brothers Chad and Jared Moldenhauer. So, mm-hmm. and they also which, have, have they made anything else? Not yet. As far as I know, they have not. Let me look real quick and see uh, if they have. I do not believe they had. Yeah, they're not. They don't even have a Wikipedia page. So I'm gonna guess that they have not. Um, unless you, if you, unless you find something that I, I don't, don't see anything. Well, there's something called Cuphead: The Delicious Last Course, which is still in under construction. That's that's dude. That's probably like a extra DLC. It's going to be a DLC where there is a a third character, Mrs. Chalice, who is going to be added to the group, and uh, there's going to be another island worth of content, I guess. So it's just a that's not bad. expansion. Mm-hmm. Well, at least that'll give them a little. This, I guess that's them just trying to put a little wiggle over them while they try to figure out what their next step is. Because from what I gathered, is these guys put everything that they could into this game, and uh, including mortgaging their house so from what i've gathered so yeah and i always like makes me just i i don't know whether to admire or chastise game developers when they do stuff like that because on one hand if you're a small studio getting that first game out is a challenge absolutely and the time and money commitment is extreme and most of them do end up doing stuff like that and then just thinking well how many of these games actually take off like cuphead has i mean like oh <laughs> i mean it's just like just like risk. talking about it's a very big about, risk yeah just talking about like that with like with games you know that, that have actually made it you know like you're saying you have things like outer wilds that you were talking about divinity original mm-hmm. sin 2 um, you have uh, the Friday the 13th game that was kind of a big thing for a little while. You had Psychonauts 2 that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, what else was there, the other big one that I really thought about? I was looking at here. Uh, the new System Shock that was coming out, Wasteland 3, but obviously your mm-hmm. favorite of all time, Monster Prom, James. Of course. <laughs> Gotta get the best monster to go to prom. That's right. James is like, Dracula always put you know says no to me when I ask him to go to prom. <laughs> wants to go to the Sadie Hawkins. What a tool! I'm he gonna go stake him. Later. He has an image to maintain. If he could go with who he wanted to, <laughs> it would be me. You're such a jerk. <laughs> an image to maintain. <laughs> That's awful, James. That's an awful, awful. But I love that joke though. And that was good. That was good. I'm proud of you. Even in your tired state, you're good. At, you're here to rile me up a little bit. I'm, I'm proud. So. But yeah, a lot. So even just a handful of these games that go into like kickstarters and things like that they what is it like one probably one out of every hundred will make it well know? yeah i mean before we started this just mentioned the kickstarter thing we were looking through the list of like yeah. crowdfunded kickstarter games on and wikipedia it, and you know there are some distinguished games on that list but oh there's yeah hundreds of games there that no one's ever even heard of oh yeah and that's not even counting the ones that never even like made it out of kickstarter well, i mean like banner like saga the, 3 blasphemous well, I mean, Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight, yeah. Outer Wilds. I mean, there's a lot of Kickstarter games now. I mean, there's just so, so It's interesting many. that it's really brought some fresh blood to the industry, but also there's just so many that flopped. Oh, absolutely, man. You know, it's, it, it's, it's, unsa- it's insane the amount of uh, games that just people look at, you know, and, and even though they put money into it, you know, they just never... Because that's the thing about you, they never come to fruition. But because that's, that's the thing about these Kickstarters, they're under no obligation to finish the game, you know. No. And that's why it, it terrifies me whenever people are like, uh, like I was talking to my buddy Alex a while ago. Is you know, 
our buddy Alex, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he said, you know, he he put towards a couple of things, and I was like, man, it's like you're a better man than I am, Alex, because I I just can't I can't think about trying to do that. Because, you know, that's all that, you know, even if it's five, six, seven bucks, you know, what happens if it never gets made? You know, God forbid it's something like maybe somebody puts their whole paycheck into this. They they drop like 400 bucks or something like that. Yeah. I mean, even even like experienced developers, like didn't Peter Molyneux like raise like a million dollars for Goddess or something back in 2012? Yeah. And I think a game did eventually come out, but it's still early access almost 10 years later and from everything i've heard it's still pretty trashy into the things like there's what was the one um that i had been i actually bought it was um it was by a japanese developer and he got he crowdfunded quite a bit of money i cannot remember what it's called and i know i have it on steam somewhere uh it's like sensuo or mm-hmm. um, I can't remember who it is, but I'll, I'll look it up here in a minute. But he he raised some ungodly amount of money, and it was ridiculous. Like he he was years before he he put anything out, and then he had to refund. Oh, he actually think he he actually got money from Steam because Steam was like, well, we'll 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 uh we'll do this for you, you know, or Sony. I'm sorry, not Steam, Sony. Um, they decided to uh, step in and, you know, give him some money for it. And I was just like, you know, what, like, what is going on? You know, it's just like this, these are some, like, it made no sense to me. It just, it baffled my mind that they were, uh, and I can't find it anywhere. Of course, if you think about it too, though, I mean, uh, personnel, which is really what it takes to make a good game. I mean, just, just like how many programmers and graphics designers and stuff could you hire? I mean, if you want a graphics designer, well, a sound guy, I mean, even if you only pay him like 50 K a year. Yeah. I mean, get yourself a few programmers, a, a studio, but by the time you consider a building computers and other overhead costs, I mean, you could run up to millions of dollars a year. Millions of dollars easily. Yeah. Very easily. Well, like talking like these guys, these guys, these two brothers, one even says they worked for themselves for free for years. For for free years. Yeah. And one was actually worked, still working a full-time construction gig while like working like construction work, uh, pouring concrete and stuff while he was doing this on the side and had a studio with his brother. And he was just kind of like putting money into this as he could. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's, an, you know, that's dedication. But at the same time, it still kind of just boggles my mind uh, that you're able to do this. But yeah, it's it, there are many flops out there, guys. So um, like I said, you can either shoot for the, that's the one thing about America. You can shoot for the stars. But there's no guarantee <laughs> that you're going to make it in the big leagues. So one so, thing I found interesting about this game, though, was how they worked so hard to copy the animation style from back oh, in the day. Oh, absolutely. Like, to the point to where the graphics are actually hand-drawn animations. Hand-drawn, yeah. The watercolor, the backgrounds are watercolor, just like they used to be in the old cartoons. And then uh, the gameplay runs at 60 frames per second because that's what looks smooth to our eyes. But the animation is 24 frames a second, which is the old standard for American film. And so when you're watching this stuff, like the way the character jumps around the screen a little bit and jitters, it really makes you feel like you're watching an old school yeah. cartoon. So that's what they do with the cells. They say they even, I was uh, watching a, um, a documentary on the making of this and this two brothers talking, they actually said that, you know, every, every frame that you look at here has been hand drawn and all they do is they scan it into the computer. And all they do is the only thing that they do with the computer after they scan it in 
and is they do the the coloring because they did they did watercolors on the actual like mm-hmm. uh, characters and the background and the backgrounds were watercolored as well beforehand but they found there was no discernible difference like that people could actually see if you were working on you know color in the characters or if you did it on the computer so they decided to save themselves you know quite a few years <laughs> in development and go with the computer route on that and that's the one thing they decided to do with the development mm-hmm. on that which to be fair i'm surprised they didn't do more on the computer than they did so yeah i mean the fact that that's all they did is pretty impressive because there's a lot of animation shortcuts you can do on a computer oh yeah make absolutely. That action go a little faster the other thing was they hired a uh, romanian animator developer and jazz musician for the project yeah and they uh said that he uh christopher madigan i think was the name of the composer he composed a different track for every level. So it's 51 different tracks total. And it's all like jazz and big band style, style stuff. So I love that. And that's the style. It's got like a roaring twenties type feel. Oh, to absolutely, it. absolutely, man. That's, that's the thing though, is too, you know, he, he really gets into that. They got into that aesthetic of, we want this to be a 1930s cartoon and they stuck with it, man. They were like, well, if we're going to do this big, we're going to make it. If we're going to go with this, we're going to make it big. You know, we're going to make it right. Mm-hmm. And luckily, like you said, they got that jazz band to get in there. They got the whole aesthetic in there for the gameplay and the uh, animation, especially and the bad guys. So and that's what I love about this. It's all it just really sells the feel. It's a very highly stylized. Oh, absolutely. Game. So they kind of um, talking about that where they get the kind of this aesthetic from uh, the Molden Towers, they actually uh, talk about how uh, they take a lot of the experiences from the youth, which is where everybody gets their stuff at. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of like us with, with this show, you know, right. What do we pull from a lot of our childhood? And you hear oh, yeah. me and talk, me and James talk about how we do sleep. We used to be sleep holders and sleep over overs and play uh clay fighter all the time and drink, you know, mountains of Mountain Dew and, how mm-hmm. it probably warped our brains, but it I is mean, what it is. <laughs> back in the day, we had surge, which was even better than that's Mountain right. Day. The real surge, 140 <laughs> milligrams of caffeine, brother. Is that what it had in it? I don't know. It was, was ridiculous. Saying, oh my god! If it probably case. had every. It probably had every bit of like 60 grams of sugar <laughs> in every soda, probably. Oh, easily, easily. It was so good, though. <laughs> I mean, it was even it was sweet even compared to Mountain Dew. So I mean, it has to be a lot. Oh yeah, I got bored the other day, and they came out with it a lot. It was I say the other day. I mean, like three years ago. They came out. They re-released it, and it didn't taste the same. They, they. I was looking it up, and they actually changed the chemical formula of the surge, and it's different than what they did. And they released it. It's like half the amount of sugar, and it's got like, like no caffeine in it. Almost, it's like got a little bit of caffeine, and not comparatively like well, what it see, was. Because I bought a six pack when they re-released surge. Because I'm like, yeah. man, I've got to like experience this thing from my childhood. And, and <laughs> I thought it didn't taste dump. the same. Get that dopamine dump. Well, and I thought it didn't taste the same either. And I just assumed that my taste had changed over nope. the years. But no, it wasn't the same. Nope. They they changed the they physically changed the chemical composition of it because why it's would not, they it's release not... something for a novelty kick and then change it? James, that's what they've been doing for the it last make 10 any years. Sense. That's what they did with, they've, they've been doing that with, you know, um, the Marvel movies. They did it with the DC stuff. They're trying to suck in. They're trying to get nostalgia, James. They're trying to like, they're like, oh, the boomers are getting nostalgic. Go on. Don't you want something from your childhood? And now they're starting to do it to us because we're like, 
technically, I guess you could call us. Uh, what, what are we technically uh, uh, boomers? I guess I think we're technically millennials. Technically, oh yeah, we are millennials because it started in like 1985. We're the early end of the millennial wave. Yeah, yeah. No, we're at the early beginning. Beginning. Yeah, because we're we're the beginning end of millennials. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I hate to say it, you know, but you know, freaking millennials. But that's what we are. So, so they're starting. We're kind of starting to age into that midlife, you know, a little bit. And so they're starting to like put put out the stuff. They're like, look at your childhood. Do you want an SNES compact? It has all your favorite games on. Oh wait, not all your favorite games. Just the ones we can license to you for seventy dollars. <laughs> like man. No, <laughs> like I'll take. I, I, but seriously, and like um, the Switch is getting ready to come out with Skyward Sword HD, and I'm like, ooh, I should buy that. You're just like <laughs> you're just sitting there, and you got a little tent on your pants, and you're just like, this is gonna be great. And Kelly's like, no, you don't need it. You don't need it. But like, <laughs> but I want it. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> you well, like-, like all the movies we watched are getting remade. It's amazing how much they're shilling nostalgia. Oh, absolutely, man. Like if they were going to remake something, I was talking to Jackie a while back. If they want to remake something. I would be down for them to do another uh, Atlant- uh, Atlantis movie. You know, like the one that uh, Disney kicked out a little while ago. Um, mm-hmm. And that was actually fun fact. Mike Mignola did all the storyboard arc for that uh, storyboard art for that. I l- and I would I would give my left kidney for some storyboard art from Mike Magnola from that. Because that is one of my favorite <laughs> movies of all time. I, lo- I have to do uh, I'm with Jackie sometime because she loves that too. So, yeah. But anyways. Um, if It's a very quotable movie yeah, for sure. Hit, hit me up if you if you get storyboard. I'll give you my kidney if you want it. So, <laughs> well, then, I'm sure I could find some people who would do that for you. <laughs> some, seedy, some seedy black guys, you know. They're next to the guy that's trying to sell you sundials. Um, that's, that's another <laughs> Disney quote. Anyways, so, uh, but yeah, th- this game brings back all that, kind of that next nostalgia for these guys that it kind of like all these other games do for us, right? And they they really talk about how they spend hours and hours, you know, you know, watching old VHS tapes and all with these cartoons on there that they've been re-released, you know. And I even kind of whenever I'm arrived, whenever I first started playing this game, talking about that a little bit, that I, I looked up a little bit, you know, their influences then, and that's where I got hooked on the Fleischer cartoons. Actually, I watched these mm-hmm. back whenever like 2015, I believe this is when this uh, game was released. I watched the the old Superman Fleischer cartoons and I'm looking at it, you know, even though I may not like agree with some of the content in it, just taking it into the animation, the sheer, you know, creativity that the, that, that is put into these animations and these cartoons. It's astounding. You can see so much where so many, like, you know, people get their inspirations from and where they get some of their, you know, inspiration for these games and other more modern cartoons, you know, Mm -hmm. these, these are building blocks. This is where it all starts. Right. Yeah. And so I love that kind of idea that you, you get these kind of things, but they, they also look at things like uh, Japanese propaganda animated films, which is kind of where they got the idea for <laughs> uh, Cuphead. Actually, that's that's one of the cool things. They really it came the, from Japanese propaganda. Yeah, 19, a 1936 Japanese propaganda animated film featuring a character with a teacup for a head. Uh, oh, my. Were, yeah, isn't that? It's pretty. That's. <laughs> So, I, was not, I was not aware that Japanese propaganda was involved in this at all. That's right. And sometimes Japanese propaganda is the best pro- t- t- kind of propaganda 
propaganda. So that's why I'm just saying, you know, just uh, if you well, need love, uh, if you need companionship, go to a love motel. So <laughs> there well, you go. I mean, I, that's one thing I find entertaining about like Japanese propaganda is that it's a very culturally and ethnically uniform country. And yep. so all the trouble they make is their own trouble. And so their propaganda is really humorous by our standards. <laughs> do you do you invite quite a quite a significant amount of Japanese propaganda, James? Do you do that on a daily basis? Uh, <laughs> no, but I I do have a YouTube channel called Ken Lauderdale that I do watch on occasion, and he uh, he reviews and looks at some of these really old animes. Like uh, there's one oh. of, of interest. Have you seen like uh, he has a YouTube video called The Curse of Minky Momo. It's a probably the most it. cursed. It's probably the most cursed anime to ever exist. Like multiple times when they've aired the anime, natural disasters have occurred. Oh my god, <laughs> that's 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 awful. <laughs> that's really funny though. They just like they're like we shall not. We sh-, it's it's the anime that should not be named. <laughs> so if we speak its name, a tsunami will come, or Godzilla shall rise his head from the from the waters, <laughs> or uh, Japan's first superhero, Golden Bat. I. One second, I'm gonna look this up now because you you're making me. Like, they've making actually me... tried. They've actually tried to revive the franchise several times, and it just hasn't caught on. Golden Bat. Golden Bat. I it's a, it's it's a man is. in a red bodysuit with a black cloak and a golden skull for a head. <laughs> what in the hell am I watching? <laughs> this is. And, and, it, and don't worry, it came in a live action version too. <laughs> that's amazing this is great i want to watch this oh and there is a 1966 movie what is this this is awful i'm gonna i just want to see him where is he at oh my god he looks like a knockoff red skull but in black and white this is great okay i'm gonna watch this later that's phenomenal <laughs> i want to thank you for giving me that james jackie's gonna look at me like i'm weird now so yeah, if you guys want to watch something really bizarre and it's kind of like watching, like you said, it's 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 a it's very much a, going off on a tangent in Japanese culture here. It's kind of like watching uh, the Spider-Man version, uh, Japanese Spider-Man version. It was just its own thing. It almost had nothing to do with the actual Spider-Man, other than he wore the Spider-Man costume. Mm-hmm. Their whole thing was it was great. I know, yeah, you kept, you put it in the in the in the. In the thing. <laughs> That's great. I found the the history of it. It was phenomenal. I want to watch but, Golden yeah, Bat. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I love I love <laughs> Japanese culture. It's so bizarre, but yeah, like you said, you get that homogenous kind of feeling about it, and it's 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 so much. It's so much more interesting when you go there and you see it from as like as an outsider, but you look at our country and we're just like this giant melting pot of like so many different cultures. It would be bizarre to try to live there, I think, a little bit. I, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. It would be oh, very yeah. strange. You'd have to have a very specific kind of mindset, and you have to be able to follow rules very rigorously, in my opinion. That's well, kinda you'd how be I the perpetual outsider, too, because Japan is still like 95% Japanese. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the ones who aren't Japanese are generally just in the big cities, and they're just there for business. Yeah. Like it's, uh, it's a very very insular society when it comes right down to it very much so that's what happens when you're an island nation so yeah but yeah so i think kind of let's go a little bit more into the development of this but before we you know go off the rails again about japanese culture uh so the 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 mold towers they actually thought about making this game after they saw the uh success of one of our favorite games james super meat boy 
Uh, Super Meat Boy was good. It was phenomenal, which that came out in 2010. By so, the uh, eponymous Team Meat. That's right. Which is one of the best names for video game studio I've ever heard. It's <laughs> just, hey, we're Team Meat, brah. There we go. <laughs> that's what we're all about. So, yeah, they, they decided they were going to uh, get same together. Same guys did the Binding of Isaac, yeah. Yeah, same guys, same groups, uh, group of guys that did Binding of Isaac. And they, they decided they were going to, you know take this head on they're like hey you know this is once in a lifetime kind of thing you know so they they took the things they loved and they put them into action essentially you know putting together an animation team or an animation kind of a short animated you know uh, clip things like that and they they pitched it um to some other uh animators and they all kind of got together and they were able to start working on it so it's interesting to me that super meat boy was the inspiration because Super Meat Boy is like nothing like this game at all. Oh, no, 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 not at all. Yeah, absolutely not at all. But it's, I guess it, it was just the success of an indie studio was well, what inspired yeah, well, them. Yeah, because if you think about it, about this time, it was like, what, 2005, 2006 is when kind of the indie scene really started to kind of take off finally. But they weren't ever like huge commercial successes. They were like, they would get uh, critically successful. Like people, critics would be like, they'd praise them and say, oh, this is a great game. Uh, or you should try this game because it's X, Y, or Z good, you know, mm-hmm. but it would never like, they would never sell a ton of game or uh, a ton of units. You know, they wouldn't sell in the millions of copies. You'd maybe get lucky if you get half a million units or maybe 250,000 units. And you'd call that a, a commercial success for an indie game, essentially. Well, I think it's not a coincidence that this is also when steam was becoming a big thing. Cause I think that's what the indie games needed was a distribution platform. That wasn't one of the big three. You know, yeah. was well, because before that, I mean, you could make indie games, but then you still had to sell it to Microsoft or EA or someone to put it on a console for you. You couldn't just self-publish. Which that's kind of where they get. That's kind of where uh, that I kind of feel like there was a bit of an issue uh, with Cuphead is that they actually chose to go with Microsoft to try to distribute the game initially, and mm-hmm. I get they were they wanted to to. That's what they were they were they were hoping to do. They actually, that's where they were, you know, released it first on Microsoft, Windows, and Xbox One. Um, and it, it was fun, you know. I, I was proud that they decided to go with that way because, you know, they know that, you know, the the PC and Xbox community was gonna be where it's at because it was it was primarily a North American studio and you know they went mm-hmm. the right they went that way. And I think they probably talked to Sony. And just from, you know, what I've, you know, you hear through the grapevine and, you know, all the analog anecdotal evidence that Sony doesn't really play well with indie studios as much. uh, That's what I've heard. Like for the small studios, it sounds like you have to really bend over backwards for them. Yeah. And they usually kind of take more than what they really should. Like, you know, even if it just boggles my mind why big studio or big companies wouldn't want to work with some of these smaller studios because, there's always a chance that, you know, Hey, if you make a deal with these people and say, Hey, you know, give us, we're going to put it on our platform and we'll take 10% of the revenue, you know, even that. So actually 20 or 30% is more standard. That's like steam. I think is 20%. And I think Xbox and PlayStation is like 30%. That's why I'm not a businessman, James, (laughs) (laughs) because I underestimate these things all the time. So, and I'm going to say, even if they do something like that, you know, they get a, a indie darling hit on their hands, such as like super meat boy, 
or it's free money for them. I it's mean, free money because I mean, it doesn't take anything for them to you know they're already making the game on PCs, especially at the Microsoft. It doesn't take anything from transfer it over and put it on their platform. You know, yeah, they're just the supplying the infrastructure, which which is an expense. I mean, they do deserve to make some money for what they're mm-hmm. doing. But I mean, they're they're a distribution platform. Games are what they need to run too. Absolutely. So yeah, and it, it is it's, and I think that's kind of why they chose to go with Microsoft, like you said, because they probably got the best deal from them. And luckily, it ended up working out great for them because they um, they actually at uh, at the uh, they they did they released where well, they didn't release it. They they showed it off at the 2014 electronic entertainment expo uh and they were like hey you know it's going to be done here and you know probably in the next couple of years probably because they explained everything kind of what we've already explained is that it was all hand-drawn so it's going to take a while and they actually they mm-hmm. finally released it on september 29th 2017 for the xbox or xbox one and window microsoft windows and eventually it finally came to i believe it was uh mac uh and 2018 and then nintendo switch it was released in 2019 april 19 april 18th of 2019 mm-hmm. and i think they yeah that they did finally release it for the p the playstation network which is in january july 28th 2020 which that's <laughs> the amazing. very last thing yeah Dude, i'm telling you that's why i'm i say you know i i love sony i love the sony exclusives but i think they're just not a they're a lot more of a, they're not an aggressive, they're too much of an, a, a bull hog on comp our indie companies. And it just, if you don't want to play in their ecosystem and you don't want to play by their rules, they don't want to play with you. And that's kind of just makes me sad. And they're well, kind I of, feel like they're kind of doing what Nintendo used to do where they're trying to cater to like a boutique set of developers yeah. who make only games for them, which I, that makes me sad is because that's not how the world's going to be going forward. Cause like, you're going to get all these like Microsoft is betting big. I know we're kind of going outside of Cuphead here, but Microsoft is betting big on their subscription surface and mm-hmm. games being, you know, you know, free on their platform or at least, you know, on their platforms day one for people that are playing on their subscription service, such as like, you know, the, the games are coming out with, uh, uh, was it Starfield and things like that? Yeah. You know, that they're they're going to be coming out here and, 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 Sony is so far behind, man. They're still hoping that people are going to want to be paying sixty dollars for a game that you're going to sure you might get the hard, you know, the 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 hard copy for it or get a download for it. But at the same time, is are you even going to be able to get a PlayStation Five? Or well, you know, uh, are you going to be able? Or <laughs> would you rather pay fifteen dollars and play Halo Infinity or Halo Infinite? which is going to be released day one for free on the game pass. If you want to play it for 15 bucks, you know? Well, and I think it's just how the face of the game game chain, the video game industry is changing. It's, uh, it's less about selling individual games than it used to be, at least for the big corporations. It's more about keeping you locked inside their ecosystem. It's like for, for stuff like the game pass, they're still planning on selling these games to people. The same people who are going to buy the game will still end up buying the game because they want to own it. They want to play it forever. They want a hard copy for whatever reason. And so stuff like the game pass is just meant to keep people in the Microsoft system so that eventually you'll buy more stuff. Well, for example, like if you look at the game pass, 
the game comes out on the Game Pass, but then none of the DLC does. You have to buy the DLC. Or like Outer Worlds, for example, that you're playing right now. Mm-hmm. It's on the Game Pass, but all the DLC is not. So, yeah, which kind of makes me a little ticked, but it's so okay. They've got a they've got a what five or six year old game now. It's it's a great game, by the way, but not exactly my cup of tea. But it's a great game. It is what it is. But you can always. But if you want to play the DLC, you have to pay, and you may not have ever touched that game without the Game Pass. So it's it's interesting how it's more about capturing market share for some of these things. than it is about squeezing maximum value for each individual thing. It's kind of like going to the drug dealer and he's giving you your first bump for free. Essentially. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) Yeah. It's that's that's, And it's not, it's not a smart, it's not a bad plan. I get it. Because they're thinking like little Billy out there, he's got 70 bucks to spend on cocaine. So, I'm going to get him to spend 60 bucks on his favorite brand of cocaine and then $10 for a cocaine subscription. I prefer the Peruvian, uh, Peruvian marching powder, James. Whatever. Sure. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the Peruvian dancing or the Colombian dancing powder. What's Is that, that what they used to call it? <laughs> they, they, they called it so many different things, man. It was bizarre. Actually, fun fact. Uh, when we went down to Peru, they actually would give you uh, cocoa leaves. Did I tell mm-hmm. you tell you this? And they would like no. t- like they're like chew it, and I'm like oh, I'm good, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm told in its natural form in the leaf, it's apparently not nearly. It's more like a caffeine, a cup of caffeine is what people yeah, say. Yeah, that's that's actually what it was. It actually, it'll asked, still make you probably turn positive on a piss test. So probably that's probably why not I was, worth it. That's why <laughs> but... they they would actually give you uh, these uh, candies that had uh, coca leaf extract in them, and so I was like, uh, for free everywhere, and I'm like, gee, this so this is just a legal form of like cocaine. That's phenomenal. <laughs> I was like, this is bizarre, but yeah. So it, let's talk about the uh, reception. Actually, before we get into the reception of the game, I want to uh, do one thing. Do you know what the most auspicious? Um, uh, port that's ever been made for uh, Cuphead, James? The most auspicious port? Yeah, the most important one that you obviously have forgotten. Did they port it back to Super NES or something? No. It was uh, whenever in 2019, whenever they decided they were going to adapt this port for Tesla Inc.'s Linux-based system so that you could play it on your Tesla car while you drove. <laughs> oh my, that's a problem. <laughs> Do so they now, still have a Tesla gamepad to go with the Tesla car, or well, what? they'll do is, you, or is it touch screen? <laughs> yeah, so they have these huge touch touch screens in their cars. So the only reason I know this is because I've been to the Tesla dealership in St. Louis, and because I really want a Tesla at some at some point in my lifetime. Because it's just me, you know. I, Checking I like, out a Tesla, huh? <laughs> I was, you know, but I don't have I don't have sixty grand to blow right now, so that's that's me. So um, I was looking at it, and it's literally just a humongous screen. It's literally almost as big as say this computer monitor in front of you. So you're thinking like. Uh, like maybe uh, 24, yeah, uh, 24 across. Screen. So it's a big screen, but it's vertical. So you could play essentially, and you could rotate it however you want to. So you could essentially mm-hmm. play on there if you wanted to. It's great. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I love about it. So I'm just thinking, well, if Linux will run on there. Oh, yeah. Then I could get one of those Linux Pi kernels to run, and I could run an emulator. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> I, James, you're thinking right up my alley, man. So I, I was look. I did a lot of research in this whenever I was first getting into uh, the Tesla, wanting to get a Tesla. My wife was like, "No." Jackie was like, "You are not going to buy a Tesla. This is not going to be a, your personal, you know, you know, gaming system to drive around in, so you can just do autopilot and play games." I'm like who is? This? 
It's like, like Jackie, Jackie, you're going to drive while I play games. That's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> right. So, and the other things you can do on this is you can actually go into the system, talking about the Linux system. You can actually, I've seen people do this. You can go in and change the horn and it, you can actually make it like a song. It's oh, great. No. It's so bad. It's great. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's one I saw is it, it, the, they push the horn and it changes my, it, the, it, they, it plays my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it was great. I was like, this is phenomenal. But anyways, talking about things that receive, you know, an amazing reception, much like anyway, Tesla. Cuphead's reception was awesome. I think the first two weeks oh, yeah. they sold more than a million copies. Ridiculous amount of copies. Um by July twenty nineteen they sold four million. And by the second year out they sold more than five million copies. Mm-hmm. Um six million by the time I get to PlayStation in twenty twenty. So just a obscene number of sales for such a small studio. And the first year that it was out, it won several awards, obviously. It won uh in the gold stick golden uh joystick awards, it won best visual design, it won the Xbox Game of the Year. At the game awards, it won best art direction, independent game, best debut indie game, score, music, and action game. It, it was actually, sorry, I take it back. It was nominated on the score and music and action game. But it, I'm like, as you go down, if you go on the list I saw, it, it's won and it's been nominated at least every year. In, in the first two years that it's out, it was just nominated and won a ton of different you know things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's luckily, it has just garnered this huge following. And it's even been... Uh, so much so that it's actually even gone on to inspire some other newer games, which it actually inspired uh, Bendy and the Ink Machine. I don't know if you ever saw that one, James. Uh, I have not seen that one. I have that uh, in my game or on my Steam library. I actually started playing it a while ago. I got distracted. It's creepy. It's creepy, but I love it. Okay. (laughs) I will let you, I will uh, let you try to play at some point, but um, on top of that, uh, Cuphead has been introduced into Super Smash Bros. Ultimate as a downloadable ca- character, uh, Cuphead Me Fighter. Uh, and also, uh, they're also like going to have several other, um, like I said, they had, uh, they're going to have additional DLC put in for it. They've had a bunch of DLCs, a bunch of little, little, little bitty games, such as Sma- Super Smash Bros. Um, you can, uh, you could get uh, Arby's added limited edition toys and paper crafts based on the characters. Um, and they're actually developing an animated Netflix series called The Cuphead Show. What? Is this it, for kids or adults? I do not know. I'm going to guess it's probably mostly going to be for adults. But that's just I mean, me. Just given the tone of the thing. It says for an adult audience appreciation. Oh, my. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. Talk about it. while the series will be targeted for children, Studio MDHR also anticipated that they will include humor and gags for adult audience and appreciation. So it's going to be like a, uh, a Shrek type thing. So they're going to be like, uh, "What? Wonder what he's compensating for? Uh, something? Eh? You know, kind of that <laughs> BS. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? If you know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Or it says, "It's a yo." Uh, <laughs> what was it? What is it? Farquad says. Says many of you will die, but that is a sacrifice I am willing, I am willing to make. To make. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that is that is. Hopefully, it's going to be around that that uh, thing. So, James, out of ten, what would you give uh, Cuphead? Out of ten, out of oh, how many cups? How many cups would you give it, James? Oh, think, for me, 
Yeah, I'm just thinking for me, it was like a six or a seven. I mean, it was it was fun. It it was just a very punishingly difficult and the constant boss fights kind of wore on me. I can see now, that. That doesn't mean that it's not an awesome game. It just wasn't an awesome game for me. <laughs> wasn't an awesome game for you. It didn't have the, the, the survival elements that you crave so much. Or the exploration. The exploration. I would give it a, uh, I give it a seven, about a seven and a half, uh, seven, 7.75 maybe even. It's inching towards that eight mark, but I liked it a little bit more than you because I like those fast, fast reactionary time type games. I love that kind of stuff. That's just me though, mm-hmm. but you know how I am. I, I'm an adrenaline junkie at heart, so mm-hmm. <laughs> and doing that kind of real quick motion was just right up my alley. So much stimulus, James. So much stimulus. Which, if we ever get around to talking about Bowser's Fury, that's exactly what that game was. Yes, so Bowser's much. Fury is like Nintendo crack. It's. <laughs> I swear to God, if they make, I will. We'll talk about that in that episode. But if they make a whole game like that, I will totally pay sixty dollars for that. That that was a fun experience. So oh, maybe, definitely. Maybe some foreshadowing, folks out there in, in podcast land. Perhaps maybe that will be coming next, next, the next couple episodes. Hopefully, so. Mm-hmm. But, anyways, James, I just want to say thanks for coming by and sitting with me and waxing. Uh, I wouldn't say philosophical. Waxing about well, maybe waxing philosophical. Waxing poetic about uh, lost souls and <laughs> how to get them back and uh, the the finer animation in life from the 1930s about the racist propaganda that they sometimes hold. So, of course, yes. Absolutely. So your, ever, your, your Japanese propaganda expertise is always well appreciated. Never have men spent so long lovingly drawing something so foul. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So again, James, thanks for showing up and helping me out. Guys, I want to say thanks for uh, coming in and listening to the op- episode today, the episode today, not the episode, the episode. If I could speak, that'd be phenomenal, right? Yeah, don't roll your eyes at me. I'll come through that screen. Don't make me. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> thanks, guys, for listening to the episode today. Uh, reminder, check out any of our past episodes. We got. I, I believe it's pronounced episode. I'm done with you already. <laughs> um, we have a ton of backlog. If you guys want to listen to other ones, we recently did one on the Age of Empires 2. And at the time of this recording, I believe Jackie and I just did one on Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets the book and kind of we compared it a little bit to the movie as well so if you like that kind of stuff guys let us know if these things are dumb and you don't like what we're doing here let us know uh we we'd like to know what we can do to accommodate you guys if if we're not hitting the types of things that you're enjoying and if nobody says anything we're just going to keep rolling on and this train is going to go into the garbage dump where it might possibly belong so but either way we're going to keep driving (laughs) So anyways, James can't stop, won't stop. I can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> Gotta make the booty drop. Anyways. That's right. So James, thanks for coming on today. And uh I will we will get out of here, James. All right. Talk to you later, All man. Right. See ya. All right, bye. If you're interested in keeping up to date with new episodes on our channel, add us on any of your favorite podcasting apps or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Seriously Pointless Conversations. If you have questions or concerns, please email us at seriouslypointlessconvo at gmail.com. We appreciate any feedback. Thank you for listening to our show.